0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is this not enough for all passengers, traveling and the entire race like four, Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the airport consultants council.
1: This episode is part of a new passenger experience series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives of different types of users of the airport passenger terminal, including business travelers, leisure travelers, airport executives, airport airline, TSA, and concession staff, and airport consultant staff, to name a few. For more information on this series and the host's, go back and give the first episode a listen to. Welcome to The Hold Room and this episode on the new passenger experience. Today, we turn our focus to customer experience at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. We are pleased to have Phil Burke with us. Can you please introduce yourself and your role at MAC and MSP Airport for our listeners?
0: My name is Phil Burke, and I'm the Assistant Director of Customer Experience for the Metropolitan Airports Commission. For those that don't know, the MAC actually owns and operates MSP Airport, among other airports around the, uh, the Twin Cities metro area. And, and I've been with MAC. I just uh, celebrated 20 years last month. Before that, I was with an airline that was based out of MSP for 11 years. So my entire career has been at MSP. So I know MSP very well, not to say that we're perfect, but certainly I, I know my way around the airport very well.
1: The pandemic has affected all of us and airports tremendously since last February, last March. How has MSP responded to the pandemic and what measures were implemented?
0: I think our response was very strong. The way that we approached it was like we would any other emergency. What we did was we stood up our emergency operations center and a great number of us within our staff have roles within what we call the EOC. And I happen to be one of the deputy directors, essentially supporting the director that happens to be on shift at that time. We're in our 62nd week of the pandemic and about 441 days into it. And we just had our weekly meeting yesterday and it's attended by 40 to 50 of our staff. And we talk through all of the items that are before us and things that need to be addressed. And now we've kind of transitioned into the recovery aspect of the emergency itself. As far as my individual role, I got flipped on my side. In 2020, I had a long list of initiatives that I was working on because customer experience within our organization is very new. I've been in this role now for just over two years so I got the opportunity to stand up this new department and I had numerous initiatives a decent budget that I was working from and was kind of working through all of those items and then of course virtually all of what I was doing was paused and in some cases rolled back then I became somebody who was working on the pandemic response and One of the big things that I worked on with our strategic marketing group was developing a program to make those people who are flying feel more comfortable. And we ultimately landed on Travel Confidently. So that's kind of our branding program around everything that we're doing and whether it's enhanced cleaning. Our terminals have never been so clean. Of course, all of the tactical items that we had to respond to, for example, whether it was face masks, social distancing. That's a big one and a big challenge for any airport because you have still thousands of people flying and how do you properly social distance with all of those people, especially during peak periods? And then the other third tactical component that was very important to our customers and something that we responded very strongly with is hand sanitizer. So we added about over 200 hand sanitizers between our two terminals to make sure that a customer really doesn't have to look very far to uh, utilize any type of our our hand sanitizer stations. So that's been kind of my, lots of smaller items on a day-to-day basis. Some of the things that I'm still doing, and I have a responsibility for our lobby operations in Terminal 1. Obviously, that hasn't changed. We're still meeting on a weekly basis and reporting on everything that's going on from a review standpoint, statistically, to things that are coming up in the, in the coming weeks to be prepared for. You mentioned that most of your passenger-focused initiatives have been delayed or cancelled. As countries throughout the world start to achieve their vaccination targets, what metrics are you looking at? until you're ready to bring those canceled initiatives back to the table? That's a great question. You can say, unfortunately, but really the driving force for us is our budget and what we can afford financially. So we are just starting our 2022 budget process. And whether it's the operations budget, our capital budget, our capital IT budget, very scarce resources. And what is going to happen is is that all of the requests that are coming up through our organization are gonna be filtered through, and a lot of tough decisions are going to be made again this year, just like they were last year when we decided to pause so many things. As far as the metrics are concerned, I guess at the end of the day, it's it's passenger counts, and if the passengers come back to pre-pandemic levels, then we'll be restarting so many initiatives. Like I said, not just in my little two-person department, but uh, organizationally. Yeah, I, I guess the danger with that is it's the chicken and egg situation. It's like, well, our budgets have been slashed, and all of a sudden we've got all these passengers back, but we haven't got the headcount to support it, right? Yeah, no, and and we're dealing with that as we speak, and you can. Just go right down the list, whether it's airlines or rental car companies, TSA, concessionaires. They're all very, very challenged to get workers back to respond to the increased passenger loads.
1: The airports and airlines have certainly gone through many trials and tribulations ever since the pandemic happened. To really understand the users and to come up with different ways to respond to the pandemic, like the hand sanitizers that you guys put in place and the social distancing. As we start getting vaccinated, are there any innovations you can see that we will continue or that you're excited about?
0: Yeah, back to our initial discussion, Neil, we were talking about all of our digital assets, and that's something that I am very excited about. I think we've got some opportunities there to respond to this new touchless world that we've kind of been thrust into, and we definitely have opportunities around that. I'll just give you a a current example. We have what we call interactive digital directories spread around the campus between the two terminals, and somebody can walk up to them and they can get airline information or bar, restaurant, retail information, accessibility information, all kinds of different airport information. I was reading something. This is a couple of months ago. And I think it was JetBlue. They had implemented this new process where on the seat backs, their entertainment centers you can connect to that entertainment center via your phone, then your phone becomes the control module that drives that monitor. So I reached out to our IT group and I said, What opportunities do we have where we could do something similar to that? And one real simple one was these interactive digital directories where we can put a QR code anywhere in the airport. It doesn't need to be just on these directories. And then when somebody downloads that, their phone becomes that directory. I'm not sure yet of all of the services that are provided on the directories would be on the phone. That's something for our technology folks to be uh, working on. But that's something where we're dipping our toe into, into that touchless world. One of the things that I see with our customer is if you want to put them in two big buckets in terms of their interaction with the airport, there are those kind of the standard passengers, that want that face-to-face interaction and they want help, they want guidance, tell me how to get from point A to point B. And then there's that other segment of customer that is independent and doesn't want anything to do with one-on-one person-to-person interaction, wants to do it themselves. That's kind of one of the things that I am working on, getting a terminal map on your phone, just like Google would if you're driving around and you wanna be able to go from point A to point B. That's kind of the next thing that we're going to be working on to make sure that those that are independent can utilize that.
1: I live in Los Angeles and flying over to the East Coast, I often connect through Minneapolis. Mm. And I've always enjoyed the contactless, touchless ordering system that has been set up for some time now.
0: Well, thanks for mentioning that. That's uh, again, I'm working with our marketing and our concessions group on that, and I'm glad you bring it up because that is kind of the latest and greatest, and we're working on ways to promote that, you know, and make that more accessible to everybody that wants to use it. Our concessionaires and our concessions team and our strategic marketing team are the driving force. And I've been kind of the supporter of that. And one of the things that I've been working with them on is promoting it, the social channels and those types of mechanisms, but making people aware of it while they're in the airport has been kind of a focus for us here in the near term. So one of the interesting little tactical things that we're going to do is make people aware of it while they're in the security checkpoint queues. I think that's a good time to capture somebody's attention because all they're doing in a lot of cases are just waiting. I hate to say it, but one of the things that we want to do is distract them from that waiting. And if we can distract them and create revenue and make their experience more efficient on the secure side, everybody wins. You mentioned that your passengers sit within two buckets, typically. You've got the uh, I don't know, you could call it the social passenger and the antisocial passenger. They don't want that face-to-face time. Each of those buckets it's going to be slightly different, I would say. But what do you think is the most positive passenger experience for each of those passenger types you've identified? That's a great question. When I started up this department, you know, I tried to build a, a foundation to refer back to as we move forward. I wanted to make sure that I had some pillars to refer back to that were the focus of customer experience at MAC and MSP. There were four things that I created to make sure that we are focusing on all the time. And one is just talking about that friendly and courteous first and last impression. In so many cases, the airport is the first impression and the last impression of an area. You get one shot at that typically, obviously, at a first impression. That evolved from our work on some large events, and I've been lucky enough to help coordinate and facilitate our planning. The first one that I did was the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in 2014, and then Golf Rider Cup came to the Twin Cities in 2016, and then, of course, Super Bowl in 2018, and then the men's college basketball Final Four. So I got to lead the planning on all of those, and with all of those events is our opportunity at first and last impressions, and making sure that people come away from that saying, you were friendly and you were knowledgeable. That's that first pillar. The second one is is that our customers easily find their way to any of our services. That one comes from, if you're familiar with ACI, the Airport Council International, One of the things that they do is they have a survey program for customers that we subscribe to. With those surveys, there are three things that rise to the top all the time. One is clean restrooms. The third one is I don't like to wait. The second one is I want to easily find my way. We all know the feeling of being lost or being in an unfamiliar surrounding and then trying to find your way around that the work that we do, whether it's with digital signage or static signage, and the vast majority of our customers rely on that static signage. If you were to ask me what's one thing you need to work on, we need to make sure that our static signage is top notch. I would say that in some areas it's top notch, in some areas it's broken. So that's number two, is easily finding our way. The third one is we wanna make sure that all parts of our airport are accessible to all of our users. In my case, another passion is working with travelers with disabilities. You see that demographic going up and up and up. The aging of our population certainly is a driving force. The good news is is that travelers with disabilities are more mobile than they've ever been, so they're flying more. We need to make sure that in all cases, we have done what we need to do to make sure that our airport and our airport system is accessible to them, whether it's mobility, deaf and hard of hearing, blind and low vision. The other big demographic that we're getting more into is dementia. Talking about wayfinding to make sure that we have done whatever we can do to make the information that we portray as readable and understandable to everybody. I want MSP to be the most accessible airport in the world. One of the beautiful things with that is that if you design with that in mind, everybody wins. It's not like you're focusing just on somebody who's gonna be utilizing a wheelchair. If you design so that somebody utilizing a wheelchair easily moves about the terminal, So does somebody who's not using a wheelchair. It's not an either or. From my experience, it's been a win-win. We have lots of needs and lots of bosses to respond to, but let's make sure that whatever we design, whatever we operate has the best accessibility in mind as we move forward. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one is minimizing wait times. For the customer, they've got so many situations where they're waiting. Think about all of the different areas where you do wait. You first drive in and depending on the time of day, you're gonna be in your car waiting. You're gonna be waiting to either get into the parking ramp or you're gonna be waiting in the arrivals level to pick somebody up. And what have we done to minimize the wait time there? And then you go into the building and checking in for an airline and what have we done there to minimize wait times? And then you get to the checkpoint. Then you utilize a restroom. That was a big topic for us as we got into remodeling all of our restrooms around the campus. They were completely imbalanced in terms of the numbers of stalls that were available for males and females. Ten years ago, you walk around our airport and you'd see a line of women waiting to use the restroom at one particular part of the airport. And then the men would freely walk in, freely walk out, and it's like, there's something wrong with that where it was 50 50 it's now i think about two-thirds female one-third male and it's been a beautiful balance that's one area where i think we've made some real progress in terms of minimizing waiting the other thing is concessions that's been a particular challenge here during this pandemic providing enough concessions for the customers so that they aren't waiting that's another one of those opportunities that we have to minimize those wait times That's a really long answer. I'm sorry, but that's kind of the world that I'm living in. First and last impressions, easily finding your way, universal accessibility, minimizing wait times. And if you've done all of that, I think that's a positive passenger experience.
1: What is one trivia fact that you would share with the listeners about MSP?
0: Hmm, you caught me off guard there. Come or on, something you, you
1: find interesting. You, yeah, you've only
0: got 31 years to pull down on. I know. Isn't that, just a that <laughs> nothing comes to mind? I live such a vanilla life in that airport. I've only slept in my office one night.
1: Or or was there a
0: moment <laughs> in, in that your... was during Super Bowl, by the way.
1: <laughs> was there a particular moment in the time you were at Mac that you really remember that stood
0: out for you? Well, I go back to Super Bowl because we had our airport's busiest day in our history, the day after Super Bowl 52 in 2018, and that is just really a career moment for me because what happened was so many people rose up to that challenge. When we talk about minimizing wait times and people finding their way and friendly and courteous that was personified that day that day after super bowl that's the highlight probably of my career there so many airport staff hit it out of the park and all of the reviews that i heard whether it was our governor or fans that were coming to the game or officials that were working for the nfl we did a phenomenal job. Our busiest day in our airport's history. We not just survived, but we thrived that day. And I won't go into the times where I saw the guy going down the moving walk and he was surfing on top of it. He might have been a little inebriated. And some of the other uh, inebriated stories, Those are uh, we'll leave those in private.
1: The Super Bowl is a great story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah,
0: you bet. Thanks for joining us in the Hold Room
1: for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org/backslash/the-hold-room, or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Follow us for more content from the Airport Consultants Council. You can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks again.